one. Well, we give you a warm welcome to our weekly open air outreach. This week we're coming from Partick Station in the west end of Glasgow. We're a, a local congregation. We minister in this area. We're Partick Free Church of Scotland continuing. And we meet at 2 Thornwood Terrace. Upton Barton Road, when you come to the police station, opposite the police station, go up the hill and you'll come to Thornwood Primary School and we are next door at the crossroads. And we would extend a warm welcome to you to come along to our services. We meet on the Lord's Day, that's Sunday, the first day of the week, and we meet at 11 a.m. and again in the early evening at 6 p.m. and we do extend a sincere warm welcome to you. We also have a midweek meeting. We meet on Wednesday evening at 7.30 and all of these meetings are open to the public. We have nothing to hide. We simply want to draw to your attention, something, and it can only be something, concerning the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So come along, friends. This is a cold afternoon and not many people will be hanging about, but we're hoping that we might be able for a few moments even to introduce the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ to you. And we do have individuals out who are handing out uh, gospel tracts. Please take one with you. You might not be able to read it at the moment, but take it with you. Read it at your leisure. It has our contact details there. And we hand these things out in order that you might realize we are not cowboys. We're not fly-by-night individuals. We're not here today and we're gone tomorrow. We are a bona fide Christian congregation with a Scottish registered charity and this is the area that we minister in. It's good to be with you then this afternoon. We tend to come out once a week and this week we're here outside Partick Station. Maybe some of you are wondering, what's, what's the purpose in life? What is life all about? Well, we're glad to tell you that... Life's not about getting high. No, sir, no. Life's about getting right with God. No, it's not. Oh, yes, sir. If God was, if God was true, there wouldn't be famine, there wouldn't be... Genesis, there wouldn't be anything. Well, that's a very interesting thing to say, but all of these things have been brought about because of sin. 
when God made the heavens and the earth, the first verse in the Bible tells us this, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. He created the creation perfect. After six days he looked upon his creation and he said it's all very good. His creation was perfect. But we realize and we honestly know and admit that today things are far from perfect. Far from perfect. What has happened? It's a good question to ask. What has happened from that days of perfection? Well, friends, we can tell you the Bible has an answer to these things. And the answer is that mankind has sinned. That's why we have the world that we have today. That's why we have fighting. That's why we have wars and genocide. That's why we have all of these things. That's why we have death itself. It is because mankind sinned. You see, God created man. Adam and Eve. The work of creation is God's made all things of nothing by the word of his power in the space of six days and all very good. And God created man, male and female, after his own image, in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness. That's how they were created at the beginning. They were like their creator. And their creator God is a holy God, a righteous God, a pure God. And Adam and Eve, for a, for a time, were just like their creator. But then something happened, because we know today that's not the case. Is that not so? We know today that mankind is sinful. And we've all come from Adam and Eve. Therefore, what has happened? Well, you need to go back to Genesis chapter 3 in the Bible. And there you will find how the world was changed. God had given Adam and Eve, principally Adam, a very clear and simple commandment. They were told they could eat from the fruit of any of the trees in the garden apart from one. They were not allowed to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They could not eat of that tree. They were not allowed to eat that fruit. Now there was nothing really special in this tree it was just simply that God was testing them. Would they obey Him? Would they show their love to Him by their obedience? Well, the tempter came along and tempted Eve. And Eve succumbed to temptation. She ate the forbidden fruit. We don't know what that fruit was, but it was forbidden. And she ate it. And she gave some to her husband to Adam and he ate it as well. Now you might think, well that's not a great deal. That's not really a great problem, is it? Well, we beg to differ. It's a tremendous problem because Adam and Eve sided with God's enemy. Adam and Eve committed high treason. Their creator God had provided for them. In one real sense, we are to understand 
that he created the environment, the world, for them. Because when all the things were ready, then on the sixth day he created Adam and Eve. Everything was perfect for them. And they were put in paradise itself. And there was nothing for them to do other than to tend to the garden. Everything. Hello, sir. Everything was laid on for them. And to, to obey their God would not be a problem. They had the ability. They had the power. But they chose to disobey. And they showed that they did not really love the Lord their God as they should have. Well, from that moment when sin entered into human experience, the world changed. A great curse came upon the world. That's why we have, for instance, weeds. And that's why the animals eat each other. It was never God's way, but it was part of the curse that he put upon this world because of mankind's sin. And their relationship with their creator God changed the moment that they disobeyed him. Before, they had a wonderful relationship with their creator God. They had fellowship. They had communion. But that all changed when sin entered into their experience. And instead of running to God, they ran away from him. Like indeed what most people today are doing. They are running away from God because they don't have a relationship with him. And they don't have a relationship with him because of their sin. And that's why Adam and Eve couldn't tolerate God. When God came to them in the garden after they had sinned, where art thou, Adam? Where art thou? God had to search them out. Whereas before, they would have had a wonderful relationship. Well, everything's changed because of sin. And the world is the way it is today because of sin. That's why we have troubles in the Middle East. That's why we have troubles in the Ukraine. That's why Christians are being butchered in Nigeria. It's all because of sin. That's why, friends, we have our courts full, our prisons full, our hospitals full. That's why it's all because of sin. There would be no sickness if there was no sin. There would be no death if there was no sin. Death came into mankind's experience only as a result of sin. Now, we are here to tell you today the good news. And indeed it's glorious good news. It's good news of what God has done in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, who is the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, he is the only begotten Son of God. And when we say that he is the Son of God, what we are saying is he is God in the flesh. He is the, the most complex and unique individual in the whole of the universe. There is none like him. He is God 
who has become man. And he has come down to this world and he lived a perfect life. A sinless life. Now just think about that for a moment. Someone living a sinless life. None of us have lived or can live a sinless life. The Bible makes it clear, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone here, no exceptions. We've all sinned. But there is one exception, and that exception is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only begotten Son of God who became man. And he took upon himself a human nature. And he became like us and lived in this world. And throughout the time that he lived in this world, from the moment of his conception to the moment of his death, he never sinned. He lived a complete and utter sinless holy life. Now that is remarkable. I put it to you. He never had a wrong thought. He never uttered a wrong word. He never had to apologize. You see what happens today with our politicians and many, many others? They're found out to have lied. And they have to apologize. And very often, they don't even do that. But the Lord Jesus Christ never had to take back any of his words. He never had to apologize to anyone. His actions were pure at all times. He lived a perfect life. Now that is important. Because had he sinned, he could never be a savior. He could never save you. He could never save me. He could never save himself. But the very fact that he was absolutely pure and sinless, when the time came for him to be crucified on Calvary's tree, he was able, therefore, to offer up a perfect sacrifice. A sacrifice that would satisfy the just demands of God's holy and inflexible law. I don't know how much you know about the Old Testament, but I'm sure that you knew that in the Old Testament, the Jews had to offer up sacrifices. And they had to do this morning and evening. They had to sacrifice an animal. And they had many other sacrifices throughout the year. And all of these sacrifices were telling us something and telling the Jews something that God demands that sin be paid for. That there is a price for sin. And the penalty for sin is death. And that's what all these sacrifices were pointing to. But they were pointing to that once for all perfect sacrifice 
of the Lamb of God, of the Son of God himself. Because all these animals that were sacrificed could never take away one sin. They were simply symbols, pictures, pointing forward to that day when the ultimate, perfect, supreme sacrifice would come. And that sacrifice was Jesus Christ. And therefore, he had to be perfect. He had to be perfect to take away your sin and to take away my sin. And therefore, that's why we rejoice in his death. Because Jesus Christ was condemned in the room and in the place of sinners. What God was doing there on the cross, he was punishing Christ instead of mankind. The sins of mankind were laid upon Christ there on the cross. He was our substitute. He died in a room and in our place. He paid the penalty for mankind breaking God's law, a law that he himself did not break. He was without sin. He could not sin. It was impossible for him. As God in the flesh, he could never sin. But he became sin in order that he might save sinners. Now, friends, has this got any relevance to you today? Of course it does. This is the good news from heaven. <clears throat> this is the gospel. This is God's word of salvation. This is what the God would have us know. This is what the, the early church went about and preached. They preached Christ and him crucified. Or we might say they preached Christ and the resurrection because although Christ was indeed crucified and he cried out, it is finished, and he gave up the ghost and he died there on Calvary's tree and he was taken down from that tree and he was put into a tomb and there that tomb was sealed. He was there on the Friday night, all day Saturday, but on the first day of the week, on Sunday, he arose. He came out of the grave. And friends, that's why we meet on the Lord's Day, the first day of the week. It's the great day of, of the resurrection. It's the great day when the Son of God arose from the grave, never to die again. You know, our Savior is alive. Yes, we're not speaking to you of someone who lived and who who died and who is still in the grave. Every other religious leader that you'd like to mention is in the grave or will be in the grave, but not Jesus Christ. He's alive. And he's alive forevermore. And therefore he's worthy of your trust. We're not speaking to you preaching ourselves or our church or congregation or our denomination no, no, no we're here simply to tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done now 
Has this got any relevance to you today? Well, it has. Although you might not realize it, but it does. It's got relevance to you today because in common with all mankind, you are a sinner. The Bible tells us to inform us, not to flatter us, but to inform us, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That might not bother you now, but there will come a day when it will bother you. Because the one with whom you have to do with is holy. And he cannot tolerate sin. And he will not overlook sin. Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil and canst not look upon iniquity. That's how the Bible describes the great God of heaven. The one who made you and formed you. The one to whom you are accountable unto. The one to whom you will stand before. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in his body. According to that he hath done. Whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the law. The terror of the Lord. We persuade men. And we want to tell you therefore about Christ. But more than that friends. We want to tell you that you must embrace him. It's not enough to hear information about him. But you must embrace him. You must have him as your Lord and as your Savior. You must repent. What does that mean? Well, principally it means you must repent and change your mind concerning your views about Jesus Christ. You must recognize that He is the Son of God. He is who He said He was. He is the only begotten Son of God. He's the only one who has come down from heaven. He is God's Son. And He became like us. He is the only mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus. And you must accept what He says about Himself. You cannot be saved by a Jesus of your own imagination. You must believe that He is the Son of God. God's only begotten Son and the only mediator between God and men. And you must believe that He is the one who has come down and who has died on the cross having suffered as our substitute. The one who gave His life as a ransom for many. You must believe the gospel story you must believe that he did indeed suffer and die. You must further believe that he is the one who is alive and alive forevermore. He is the one who has abolished death and brought life 
and immortality to light through the gospel. You must believe the claims that he has made about himself. He is the only one that can save. No one will ever get to heaven unless they are saved by Christ. Now we realize today in our pluralistic society where we have a plethora of religions that that does not go down very well with some religions. Well, so be it. That's the way it is. We have to declare what God's Word says and we're not ashamed to say it and we're not going to apologize for it either. The Lord Jesus Christ himself did say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. It's as crystal clear there, is it not? This is what he said to his disciples. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And therefore we have to sincerely and lovingly tell you today that if you're hoping to get to glory by any other means, you will be sadly very disappointed. You can never get to heaven by following anyone else. Jesus Christ is the only one who has ever come down from heaven. No one else has. And he's the only one who has returned to heaven. And at the end of the world, whenever that will come, he shall return and take his people, some of whom will be dead and some of whom will be alive, and he will take them to heaven to be with him forever. Where do you stand then? You've heard something about the Savior. You've heard something about the claims of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where do you stand? What's your reaction to him? You know, in the first century, what did the Jews say? They said, crucify him, crucify him. Now, now, sir. Crucify him, crucify him, they said. We will not have this man to reign over us. If you reject Jesus Christ, then you are, in essence, saying exactly the same thing. And you are sinning against greater knowledge. Because, friends, we live some 2,000 years after the death of the Son of God. But we live in the light of the resurrection. And we live in the light of the Christian church, which, yes, we acknowledge, began by very small means. But yet, the Christian church, and I use that term in its widest sense, has grown and has been found in every corner of the universe. Despite all the persecution and despite all the opposition, yet the church is growing. 
and it is continuing to grow. Does that not demonstrate then that the great head of the church, Jesus Christ, is alive? He said to his early disciples, Lo, I am with you until the end of the age. It's good to be with you this afternoon. We're here from Partake Free Church of Scotland, continuing with a local congregation. And we meet at Two Thornwood Terrace, Grupton Barton Road. You'll come to the police station. Opposite the police station, you'll find a fairly steep hill. If you go up that hill, you'll come to Thornwood Primary School. And we're next door to Thornwood Primary School at the crossroads. Come along any Lord's Day. That's Sunday, 11 a.m. Or 6 p.m. in the evening. Or Wednesday evening at 7.30. We're going to take a short break. But may the Lord be pleased to bless his word to you this afternoon.
Anyway, we'll carry on. Good afternoon. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland, continuing uh, a local congregation. We meet at Two Thornwood Terrace every Lord's Day, Sunday at 11 a.m. and again in the early evening at 6 p.m. And we would extend a warm welcome to you. We want to draw your attention to the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a verse here that really sums up what the gospel's all about. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 15, a well-known verse to us. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Here the Apostle Paul is reminding the young pastor Timothy about essential elements in the Christian gospel. And we want to highlight some of these things with you this afternoon because we know there is wide-scale ignorance concerning the Christian gospel. This is a faithful saying. This is something that the Apostle Paul would have Timothy to say and to repeat and to preach and to draw their attention to. It's worthy of all acceptation. This is what the gospel is all about. And very often in Christian churches today, you don't get the gospel. You don't. Very often it's hidden. But the Christian gospel is that Christ Jesus came into the world the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world and he has made a tremendous impact upon the world. He came into the world in a very unique manner. You and I have come into the world the same as everyone else. It's through pro procreation. But that's not the way that the Lord Jesus came into this world. The Lord Jesus, the Son of God, was is eternal as the son of God he was always here he was in the universe he is from everlasting to everlasting but he came into this world in a miraculous manner what do we mean by that well he was conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary by a extraordinary operation or work of the Holy Spirit he didn't come into the world by ordinary generation, but by extraordinary generation. And he came in in this unique manner. And he came in in this unique manner in order that he would not inherit original sin. If he came into this world like any one of us, he would be a sinner. He would have a, a sinful nature. But by being conceived... In the womb of the Virgin Mary, he did not and could not contract original sin. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Yes, friends, he could have come into this world to condemn sinners. But no, he chose to save. 
And this is something marvelous. This is something to behold. This is something to delight in. He could have come as a conqueror. He could have come as a judge. But no, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And in order to save, what did he do? Well, he had to live a perfect life, which he did. He lived a perfect life. Never sinned in thought, word, or deed. The only individual who ever lived a perfect life. And this was in order that when the time would come, he would be enabled to, to offer up a perfect, sinless sacrifice. So he lived a life, a perfect life. He perfectly obeyed the law of God, not deviating to the right or to the left, but completely and utterly fulfilling the law of God. And he did this to save sinners. How could he possibly save sinners by this means? Well, he did so because he went to the cross and died in their room and in their place. He took their punishment. He was condemned of God that we would not be condemned. He paid the price of sin on his own body. He suffered the pains of hell himself as our substitute. And those who will put their faith and hope and trust upon him shall receive the forgiveness of sins and they shall receive his righteousness. There's a wonderful transaction that takes place when someone believes upon the Lord Jesus Christ. It is as if their sin has been placed on Christ and Christ's righteousness is given to the sinner, to the believer. So that as far as God is concerned, when he looks upon the believer, he sees the righteousness of Christ. And this is what we need, friends. We cannot get to heaven. We cannot get to glory without this righteousness. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And that's why we go out that we might tell this good news to everyone. Why everyone? Because the Bible makes it clear there is none righteous, no, not one, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all, like sheep, we've all gone astray, and therefore this message is applicable to all, and the Savior is available to all. And what you must do therefore is hear about him and realize your plight and put your faith and hope and trust upon him. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. Are these not remarkable words from the Apostle Paul? Of course they are. Who was he? He was the great Apostle. 
He was probably the most exercised Christian that ever lived. Yet, when he wrote that, he said, I am the chief of sinners. He recognized that even as a Christian, he was a sinner. He recognized that he was a great sinner. He recognized that the law of God, which he was required to keep, he could never properly keep. But he had a Savior who did on his behalf. And friends, surely this is one of the great problems that we have to face today. We don't really realize our need of a Savior. We don't really realize how deep our problem is. We think it's a light matter. We don't think sin is a serious matter. We're inclined to make light of it. Well, God does not make light of sin. Sin is a very serious matter as far as he is concerned. It's so serious that he sent his son to deal with it. He didn't send an angel or he didn't send a, an archangel or a legion of angels. He sent his only begotten son. That's how serious a matter sin is. And therefore we are not to think little of it. It's a major problem. Because friends, if we meet God and we don't have our sins forgiven, then that indeed will be a terrible day for us. And we will meet God. The day will come when we will meet God in Christ Jesus. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it is good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. That's why we come out, friends. We're not after your money. We want to tell you the good news. You know, it's almost universal that everyone around here, in some sense, is after your money. Morrison's is after your money. The bus station, after your money. The railway station, the subway, that after the, your money. All the shops here, that after your money. Sometimes we come here and there are musicians playing, soothsayers, we call them. Why? That after your money, they sing to you things that you like to hear that make you feel good in the hope that you'll give them some money. Well, you've got someone different here. We're out here with the Christian gospel. We're not looking for your money. We're looking for your attention. We urge you to consider the claims of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you might look unto him, that you might examine your life, that you might realize that in the sight of God you are a sinner and that you need to be saved. 
and you cannot save yourself. You know, sometimes people, when they get kind of anxious about eternity and meeting God, they turn to be religious. Somehow they turn over a new leaf. Well, that won't save you. That's man-made religion. That's the works of the flesh. You need something more than that. What do you need? You need to have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, for He alone can save. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. That's what the Apostle Peter said when he was questioned about all the things that he was doing and saying concerning Christ. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby ye must be saved. There's no other way to get right with God. There's no other gospel. There's no other saviour. There's only one way. And that way is found in the Bible. And that way brings to your attention the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And friends, you can know the joy of having your sins forgiven today. You can know that you're right with God today. How can you know? It's when you believe in Jesus Christ that you are saved. You can know that. The Bible tells us that. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. John chapter 3 verse 36. Read it in your Bibles. You'll find that I'm not misquoting the word of God. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It's something you have the moment that you truly believe upon Jesus. The moment that you receive him as Lord and Savior. He that believeth in the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. You can know therefore these things today. Do you want to know that your sins are forgiven? Verily, verily, Jesus said on another occasion, I say unto you, He that heedeth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. You can know that today when you truly trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can know this. You don't have to wait. This can be your experience. Your sins can be forgiven today. You can be reconciled to God today. You can have a hope for eternity today. I say unto you, He that heedeth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, passed from death unto life. A new experience. Do you want to have your sins forgiven? There's no point in going to a minister of religion. He cannot forgive your sins. 
There's no point in going to confession to any priest. He cannot forgive your sins. Who can forgive his sins? None but Jesus Christ. There's no point in going to any other religion. No point in going to Muhammad or Confucius or Buddha. None of these can save. Only Jesus Christ can. He is absolutely unique. He's the one who has suffered and died. He's the one whom God has provided as a sacrifice. This is God's way of salvation. This is one of the things that does make Christianity unique. As we know that we have many religions today, but this is one thing that makes Christianity unique. It is that God has done something. Every other religion is mankind trying to get right with God by their own methods. It's man-made religion. Well, in Christianity, friends, you have authentic religion. You have what God himself has authorized because the Son of God has come down from heaven in order to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why the Bible says, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. That's what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 22. Look unto me. That's not the prophet. He's not telling us to look to Isaiah himself. No, he, he's a sinner and he needs to be saved. But he's telling here what God would have him to declare. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. We must look to the Savior. Who is the Savior? There is no Savior but Jesus Christ. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. All people from all corners of the earth, from all languages, from all tongues, all people, they're to look to this one unique Savior and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. And you have encouragement today, friends, to go to the Savior. This is his role. This is what he wants to be known as, as a Savior. He's not a destroyer. He's not a judge. He's not there to condemn. He is there to save. This is the day of grace. What does that mean? Well, it's the day of God's grace and mercy and favor towards sinners. All of us by nature, what do we deserve? We deserve nothing but God's wrath and God's curse. Why? Because we've all sinned. We've all broken God's holy and inflexible law. And the penalty for breaking God's law is death. That's how serious it is. But in the Lord Jesus Christ, all our sins can be forgiven. All of them. Yes. Is that not wonderful? 
All sins can be forgiven. We have a great Savior who's able to save to the uttermost those that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Did you notice that, friends, that Jesus Christ is alive and alive forevermore? That's the Savior you want. That's the Savior you need. One who will intercede on your behalf. One who died in your room and in your place. That's why he says, Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. You have encouragement therefore to go to him who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. That's the God of the Bible. That's the God of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the one who delights in mercy. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. This is what Christianity is all about, friends, that men and women and boys and girls might be saved, saved from the wrath to come, saved in Jesus. There's no other way. He is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Seek ye while seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. There's a wonderful incentive and encouragement to us. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. I suggest to you this afternoon that the Lord is somewhat near to you this afternoon. Why do I say that? Well, here we are. You're hearing something about the Savior. You're hearing something from the Word of God. You've never, you've never maybe heard this before. It might be news to you. Maybe you've never heard anyone seeking to outline the gospel to you before. And in that sense, then, the Lord is near you. His word has been proclaimed to you. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. How can I possibly call upon the Lord? What must I do? Well, someone else asked that question. The apostle Paul and Silas were in prison and an earthquake came and the prison officer was so terrified he thought his prisoners had escaped. But when he found out they hadn't escaped, he ran in and he said to Paul and Silas, What must I do to be saved? What did the Apostle Paul say to him? 
the Apostle Paul said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. You and your household, you and yours shall be saved. What did he do? That very night, he was saved, and the Apostle Paul baptized him, recognizing that he was now a Christian, and that he was part of the Christian church. Well, friends, we need to be reminded, and you must know, that this indeed is the day of grace. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. But there's something we must do. What must we do? Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. What's he talking about there? What's the prophet talking about? He's talking about repentance. He's talking about turning away from our sins. He's talking about turning away from lying, from cheating, from covetousness, from fornication, from adultery, from lying, and many other sins. We are to forsake our sins. That's what the Bible says. Let the wicked forsake his way. Let the wicked turn over. Let the wicked turn his back upon his old lifestyle. Let him take up the cross and let him follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Let him have faith in Christ. This is what's required. This is the gospel call. What does it say? Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Repent. Change your mind. Change your mind concerning the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're used to blaspheming his name. Now you need to realize that his name is precious because the Bible says the time will come that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That day will come when multitudes upon multitudes upon multitudes of people who are despising and rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ today will one day, either by grace or by compulsion, they shall bow the knee before King Jesus. Let the wicked forsake his way then, and the unrighteous man is thoughts. Oh, it's a radical change to become a Christian. A radical change. It's not just the outward behavior, but it's the inward behavior. Because, friends, here we realize that the real problem with mankind is the heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Bible says. You'll find that in Jeremiah. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We don't know our own hearts. We don't know the depths of sin that's there. We don't know what we will carry out if left to ourselves. But God knows. And when we become Christians, friends, we receive a new heart, a new nature. 
Oh, we're not perfect. One day we will be. That's true, but not now. But nevertheless, there's a mighty change when someone becomes a Christian. He is to forsake his old ways and his, his thoughts are to change. It's inward and it's outward. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. That's our God. That's the God of the Bible. That's the God of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who delights in mercy. And Jesus Christ is the one who has come and suffered and died in a Roman place in order that we would have a great hope before us. And you must put your faith and your trust upon him well why would you trust him if you don't know about him that's why we come out in order that we might make him clear to you that you would see your great need of him and that you would see his willingness to save even to save to the uttermost may God bless his word to you this afternoon as we take a short break Good afternoon again. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland, continuing a local congregation, and we meet at 2 Thornwood Terrace, Upton Barton Road, come to the police station, opposite the police station, go up the hill, and you'll come to Thornwood Primary School. We're next door at the crossroads. We meet every Lord's Day, Sunday at 11 a.m., and again in the early evening at 6 p.m. And also we have a prayer meeting, a midweek meeting on Wednesday at 7.30. You are warmly welcome to come along to any of these services. They're open to the public. Please don't feel embarrassed. Come along. It may be that you, you haven't been to a Christian place of worship. Or it may well be that you haven't been for a long time. Maybe because of COVID, the habit has been broken and maybe you haven't started to go back. Well, whatever. Come along, you'll be made most welcome and you'll be under no obligation 
whatsoever. We're here to draw your attention to the essential elements in the Christian gospel, and we do so, friends, with the realization that today many people are really ignorant of Christianity. They really don't know the basics of Christianity. They may know some things, or they may have had their minds made up for them by others who have rejected Christianity. Well, we would urge you to consider the claims of Christ for yourself. But we would impress upon you, friends, that today is the day of salvation. In other words, you only have now to consider Christ and to receive him as Lord and Savior. Many people say that they, they hear about the gospel, they hear about Christianity, and maybe they might say to themselves, well, I'll consider it. There's a lot of truth in it, but I'll consider it. But don't you realize, friends, that life is very short. Very short. We're here today and we're gone tomorrow, the Bible tells us. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. None of us knows what the future holds. We don't know these things. We realize that we are mortal. We do realize that we've got a, an end, but we never really consider it. Well, we need to consider these things because there's no gospel preaching in eternity. There's no opportunity to repent in eternity. There's no opportunity to seek the Lord Jesus Christ in eternity. We have to seek him now. We have to be found in Christ now. We have to avail ourselves of the salvation that God has provided for us now. And what do we mean by salvation? Well, what we mean is, it is deliverance. It is freedom. It is to be set free. It is to be emancipated. Well, you may well ask, what are we to be free from? Well, we are to be free from sin. This is what blights mankind, every single person, without exception. And in Christ, what happens? The guilt of sin is taken away. The power of sin is broken. We no longer perform sin and sinful acts like we once did when we become Christians. And then ultimately we look forward to that day when we shall be free from the presence of sin completely. That's what it means to be set free. That's what salvation is. That's what Jesus Christ has come to do. He has come to deal with our greatest problem. What is our greatest problem? Well, our greatest problem is our own personal sin. And because of our personal sin, we are estranged 
and we are separated from God and we don't have that relationship that we should have with our Creator God. But Christ has come and he's done something about it. He has dealt with sin. That's what he did on the cross. He was our sin bearer. He died in our room and in our place, being punished by God because it was God's way of dealing with mankind's sin that he would punish his son in the room and in the place of sinners. Now, our great problem today is that we don't realize our great need. We know we're not perfect. I'm sure there's none here would ever suggest that they are perfect. But we think somehow, although we're not perfect, yet we think that we are acceptable to God the way we are. Not so. God demands absolute perfection. Nothing impure shall enter in. That is, nothing impure shall enter into heaven. Well, we think we can get in with, with our purity, which is far from perfect. That's not the case. We need to be absolutely perfect. And of course, none of us are. But there is one who is. There is one who has obeyed the Word of God, who has lived the Word of God, and who has been punished for sin, although him himself knew no sin and could not sin. And you are to make your peace with this person today. For today is the day of salvation. Now is the time, now is the opportunity to get right with God. The psalmist talks, telling us, teach us to number our days. And maybe this is something that we need to consider ourselves. We need to be aware that we will not live forever. And when we do die, we will pass into eternity and we will meet God. You know, many people are running away from God today. But there's no point because you're only delaying the inevitable. One day you will meet God. One day you will give account. It cannot be avoided. And that's why Paul says, Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time and the opportunity to get right with God. Now is the time to avail yourself of the gospel. Now is the time to seek the Savior. Now is the time to have your sins forgiven. Because there's no other way to be saved other than through the Lord Jesus Christ.
James says in his book of practical Christianity, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. That's your life. That's my life. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Now then, friends, it's time to seek the Lord. It's time to call upon his name. And he will receive you. He would call, he would have you. Now is the time then to embrace him as he is freely offered to you in the gospel. Well, it's good being good to be with you this afternoon. It's been a very cold afternoon. So much for man-made climate change. It seems much as it always has been cold in November. And may the Lord be pleased to bless his word to you as we draw our time to a close. And we do hope that you will read some of these gospel tracts that have been handed out and that you might find yourself coming to worship with us in the house of God one of these days whereby you might hear something more concerning the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. May God bless his word to you this afternoon. Hi, how are you doing? Nice to see you. Oh, your hands nice and warm. <laughs> nice and warm. Good. Yeah. God bless. You were about this morning. I get who's the daughter of your.